Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. So we're continuing our study of Psalm 23. Today we're going to look at Psalm 23.3. You don't mind, let us walk through this text one more time. We'll do so for the next uh, three weeks as well, just reflecting on this. Meditating on it, thinking on it. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Verse 3, he restores my soul. Such a beautiful phrase, such a beautiful uh, idea there uh, of our soul being restored by our Father in heaven. Derek Kidner in his commentary on the book of Psalms puts it this way. He writes, he restores my soul as an expression open to more than one interpretation may picture the string sheep brought back, or it could carry with it the idea of renewal for what God does in our lives as we have situations and circumstances that need his restoration. The reason for that is the word restore in the Hebrew language. The root of that is the word shub, which is where we get our word in the Old Testament for repent or to turn back. And so what I love about this text, this, this particular phrase, I think it's multifaceted. It carries with it more than just the idea of being made whole if we have something lacking. It carries with it the idea that God is the one who brings us back to himself. In other words, in the context of the the imagery, sheep, what do they do so often? They they go off track, they, they, they go astray, they go their own way, and they need to be brought back. So they need to experience what we might call repentance. Let me give you an image for what that could look like. I came across this story this week in my, in my studies about an open-air meeting that was taking place. And one of the things they did at that open-air meeting is they invited testimonies from individuals to share what God had done in their lives. And there's this one gentleman who stood up and he was talking about how he had been a drunkard, how he had not lived a good life, how he had been going down the wrong path. And God rescued him and redeemed him and saved him. And while he was sharing that story, a skeptic walked up uh, in the midst of the crowd of, of gathered folks. And the skeptic said this. He said, it was nothing more than a dream. Religion saving a man in this manner. Just a mere dream. Nothing more. He said that out loud for a lot of people to hear. But the only person that spoke back to that man was a 10-year-old girl who knew a little something about the man who was speaking And she looked up at that skeptic and she said, Please, sir, if it is only a dream, please don't wake him up. Because that man's my daddy. Picture being that 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 man had turned from his ways of sinfulness and unrighteousness. And he had been rescued. And rescued in a way that had affected his home, had affected his family, had affected his daughter. As we look at this text of Scripture, I think that picture of turning back and that picture of repentance is found in that phrase, He restores my soul. We're going to look at two activities of the shepherd. Again, 
Psalm 23 emphasizes the work of the shepherd, not the work of the sheep. It's there. We're going to talk about some practical responses and applications that we have, but we're going to look at two activities of the shepherd. And then we're going to spend a little bit of time on that phrase, for his namesake, because that's the reason, the grounding, why the shepherd acts. That's the reason he works in our midst. It's because of his name and his glory. And then we're going to close with some very specific and poignant applications for us as as God's people to respond to. Here's activity number one. The good shepherd receives, or we might use the word retrieves and restores. So what should we do? We should return to him. We should return to him. If the context here, if, if the emphasis, as Kenneth Bailey argues, is about a lost sheep being astray, then the picture would be that the shepherd has gone out after that lost sheep goes out after that lost sheep to bring that sheep back, to bring that sheep back in the fold, to make sure that that sheep is protected and cared for. And being turned back means that the sheep is no longer in danger, is no longer uh, in its own problems and creating its own difficulties, but that is returning to a right relationship with the shepherd, a right protection under the shepherd's hand and care and in the shepherd's flock. That, that would be the picture. Uh, that idea of repentance it is born throughout the text. Although it's not tremendously emphasized in Psalm 23, it will be emphasized later. Now, I want to ask you to do something for me for just a moment or two. We're going to work our way through Psalm 23, and so next week we're going to deal with the valley of the shadow of death, which that that is a very uh, emotive text. It's going to be one that's going to mean a lot to to some of us. It's going to be one that's going to be hard to work through for others of us. And so I want to prepare you for that. Psalm 23, 5, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies that invites us to celebrate in the presence of our Savior. So we're going to celebrate the Lord's table. So I would tell you, if you come back in two weeks, we're going to be worshiping through the Lord's Supper on that Sunday as we reflect on that verse of Scripture. We're going to think in verse 6 about entering the house of the Lord forever and the opportunity to have eternal life with God. And then as we finish up the Psalm 23 series, we're going to add a few sermons in the theme talking about sheep and shepherds. And the reason I'm telling you that is because in, in, um, on October 29th, we're going to look at Isaiah 53, All We Like Sheep Have Gone Astray. And then on Sunday, November the 5th, we're going to look at a text of Scripture in the New Testament, Luke chapter 15, where Jesus is talking about that shepherd who left the 99 and he went out to find that one lost sheep. The reason I'm telling you that is this. It, we all know people who we would categorize as those straying sheep, as those who have gone their own way, they're on their own path, they're doing their own thing, they're apart from God, they're apart from his people, and our heart goes out to them. And I want to give you an opportunity, especially on those Sundays, October 29 and November 5, to invite them to worship with us, because what they're going to hear is they're going to hear about the shepherd who is going out after them, who is seeking out after them, and longs for them to be restored in relationship to themselves, Because the whole point of the Good Shepherd Psalm, the whole point of this text, is that we are invited into a restored right relationship with the shepherd who, who, who cares about his sheep. He wants us to repent. He wants us to turn from our own ways. He wants us to stop doing our own thing because our own thing gets us in danger. It messes us up. It keeps us from experiencing the peace and the provision that, that the shepherd wants to bring about in our lives. And for those of you that are in the room this morning, the invitation is quite simply to you to return to him. If you're here this morning and you have strayed, 
And how do you know if you've strayed? Well, there's some specific ways. One way would be you know you're not a follower of Jesus. You don't believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You haven't trusted him to forgive you of your sins. Well, consider today an invitation to turn from your unrighteousness and turn back to him and enter into a relationship with the living Savior. The opportunity is available for you today to turn to him in salvation and in receiving of the forgiveness that you need. There's also the picture of those that have a relationship with God but that have wandered away from it. They've strayed off of the path. And we know people like that. We know folks who, who, who have no longer attend church regularly. And that's not the only category of knowing when somebody's strayed. Uh, and, and it's not maybe in some ways the most important category. But here's the reality. When God's people gather to worship him, if we're not present in that, in that midst of gathering and worshiping, there's something off about our spiritual lives. There's something disconnected from who we're supposed to be to how we're actually living out our, our lives. And so you know some people that have strayed away from church attendance. You know some people that have strayed away from family. You know some people that have strayed away from living the way that God would expect them to live. Guess what? You need to return. Return in repentance. I want to tell you this. You've not gone too far for God to receive you back. That's the whole point of the text. The shepherd restores your soul. He grants repentance to anyone that would turn back to him. If that's you today... If you're struggling with some kind of separation from God because you haven't sought Him, because you haven't trusted Him, because you've drifted for a period of time or years, guess what? God will receive you back. He will bring you back into fellowship with Himself. He is the one who receives. He is the one who restores. And so our invitation is to turn back to Him. Not only that, but the Good Shepherd leads and guides So think about this. He restores my soul, verse 3, first part. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The good shepherd leads and guides. That's his activity. So what should we do? Folks, we should follow him. We should follow our good shepherd. Now, in context, what are the paths of righteousness? He leads and guides where? In the paths of righteousness. The paths of righteousness are found in verse 2. He causes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Some of you are like, absolutely, that's what I want. I need some of that fresh provision. I need some of that blessing. I need some of that abundance that God provides. I need some of that stillness. I need some of that quiet. How do we access that? How do we get the abundance and the provision and what we need? Well, we follow the shepherd. He leads me where? In the paths of righteousness. The paths of righteousness are those places of provision, are those places of peace and abundance. We don't get there by seeking them, but we do get there by seeking him, seeking the shepherd. But also in context, the paths of righteousness are found in verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why do the sheep walk through the valley of the shadow of death? We'll discover that in detail next week, but they're following the shepherd. To get from point A to point B, sometimes you have to go through a dark valley. Sometimes you have to follow the shepherd through difficulty and challenge and and things that are not easy because you're following your shepherd. And, And here's what happens all too often with us as humans. Because we're being compared in the metaphor, we're being compared in the text to to sheep. Too often, we're so enamored with the provision, physical, financial, or or otherwise, that we forget the provider. We, We long for the experience. We want the blessing. We want the peace. We want the abundance. We want the sustenance. 
There's nothing wrong. We need those things. But too often what we do is we get focused on that. We get focused on the experience. We get focused on the stuff. We get focused on the provision. We get focused on the food rather than on the one who provides those things, the shepherd. All too often, it, that's a distraction. The other distraction is, the, is kind of the, 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 I would say, the opposite of that in verse 4. We walk through times of difficulty and darkness and challenge. And instead of walking with our shepherd, following our shepherd, here's what we do. We feel like he's abandoned us. We wonder if he's there. We can't see him. We can't watch what's going on. And so guess what? We feel like there's no one there. And, and then we lose heart and we walk away. We're away from God. In other words, we get our focus on the wrong thing. Instead of focusing on Jesus, our shepherd, we're focused on the situation. We're focused on the lack. We're focused on the pain. We're focused on the difficulty. We're focused on the darkness. And what the shepherd is inviting us to do in verse 3 is he leads us in the paths of righteousness. Our focus, Christian, needs to be on Jesus, our shepherd. Jesus said almost exactly the same thing in Matthew 6.33. He's talking in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. He's telling his followers not to worry. And he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Our responsibility as sheep, our responsibility as God's people, is not to seek the stuff. It's not to seek the provision. It's not to seek the peace uh, in, in kind of being removed from the situations of difficulty in our lives, our responsibility is to follow the shepherd along the paths that he chooses for us. I want you to think about this. The paths of righteousness have been plotted out by your shepherd. He knows where he is going, and he knows where you need to follow. He knows everything about your life. He knows exactly why you are where you are today and he knows exactly the steps it will take in your life to get you back to where he wants you in relationship with him. He knows. He is very well aware of it. He has planned it. He has, he has put it together. Our job is to follow him, hear his voice. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? Well, I, I, ha I hate to keep coming back to the simplicity of this, but we hear his voice through his word. So when we gather among his people and we open up scripture and we sing scripture and we pray, that is one way for us to hear the voice of God. The other way every single day of our lives for us to hear the voice of God and know where he's leading us is to open his word every single day of our lives, listen to what it says, do what he tells us to do. What does it look like to follow Jesus? It looks like doing what Jesus did. So a good way for us to figure that out would be to read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What did Jesus do? Well, some of you are going to say, well, he, uh, he cast out demons and he walked on water and he healed the sick. I'm not telling you that that's what we're supposed to do, okay? We're not God enfleshed. We don't have that power. We are to do what Jesus did, though, in his, human, in his humanity. We're to read the Bible and memorize it. That's how he defeated the devil in the, in the temptations in Matthew 4. Do you realize how many times Jesus got alone by himself and prayed? Tuned out all the distractions that were around him, all the needs of everybody else, set them aside just to spend time with the Father? you realize how many times Jesus found a community? He, he, he gathered himself, gathered around himself, a community of believers, the disciples. He spent time with other people around God's word and in prayer. I'm going to tell you something other than the, the supernatural aspects of the power of God that, that are available to us for God to do, not for us to control. But 
it is absolutely possible for you and I, Christian, to do what Jesus did in his daily life. Absolutely possible. He gives us the opportunity to study his word, to read scripture, to memorize his word, to be in prayer, to have silence and solitude. He gives us every one of those opportunities. Worship. He gives us those opportunities. That's what it means to follow our shepherd. It's to walk in his walk. To, to do what he says to do. Now, the last phrase of this verse, for his name's sake. He leads us in the paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. He rescues us from our walking astray. Why? Because of his namesake. He restores our soul. He gives us peace that we long for. And some of you are here this morning and you just need some of that. You need God to come into your life and in your soul and give you a, a sense of restoration. That picture there, the, he restores my soul. The soul, we sometimes associate that with the inner part of our being. The, the part of our being that you can't touch and feel. But in the Hebrew, in Hebrew uh, kind of philosophy or ideology, the Hebrews thought about the soul as encompassing the whole person. So when, we, when he says he restores my soul, God is the one that restores us physically, psychologically, physiologically, spiritually, the whole person. He restores and he longs to do that. Why does he long to do that? For his namesake. Folks, it, it is absolutely true that God's rescue of you from your sin means more to you than it will to anybody else in the world. God rescued me from a, a period of self-righteousness and pridefulness. And I'm going to be honest with you, I am so thankful this day. I'm so thankful that God found me in my self-righteousness and in my pride. And he offered me forgiveness and mercy. And I don't have to wallow around in my own sinfulness. But I can be assured of eternal life in heaven forever and forever because God rescued me. That is glorious. That is a wonderful reality. It matters to me. And your salvation matters to you. But I want you to hear this. God did not just rescue us. And he doesn't just restore us. And he doesn't just lead us for us. He does so for his namesake. Now what does that mean? It means at least four realities. The first one is this. In restoring and leading for his namesake, the shepherd's reputation is on the line. He restores, he draws, he protects, he, he defends his sheep so that Everyone will know that he is a good shepherd. His glory is revealed when he rescues. Shepherds in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 23 and Ezekiel 34, were notorious leaders of the people of God, were notorious for their, their sinfulness, their depravity, how they used sheep rather than served sheep. And what, what the, this text tells us is that the good shepherd cares about his own reputation. In other words, he wants everybody to know that he cares for his sheep. And, and that's pictured in the, in, the, in, the idea, in the kind of metaphor of who sheep are. Sheep can't protect themselves. They can't care for themselves. Left to themselves, they'll actually destroy the grazing land. One, one shepherd, Philip Keller, puts it this way. He says, too many sheep over too many years under poor management have brought nothing but poverty and disaster in their wake. A commonly held but serious misconception about sheep is that they can just get along anywhere. Truth is quite the reverse. No other class of livestock requires more careful handling, more detailed direction than do sheep. David knew beyond dispute that if his flock was to flourish and the owner's reputation was to be held in high esteem as a good manager, the sheep had to be constantly under his meticulous control and guidance. That's why the shepherd leads the sheep in paths of righteousness. Left to themselves... 
sheep will forage a, a, a grazing patch until they have gnawed at the very roots of the grasses, basically destroying the grasses and leaving room for erosion to take place, leaving room for parasites and other types of animals to infect the earth. And then they're eating the dirt, so they're getting that, those parasites into their system. So foraging too much and eating all that's available right in front of them actually is unhealthy for the sheep and it's unhealthy for the land. And guess what happens over a period of time? If sheep get unhealthy and they destroy the land, whose reputation is on the line? It's not the sheep. Sheep don't care. They're just doing what they do. They're just eating what they eat. It's the reputation of the shepherd that's on the line. So he moves the sheep. He guides the sheep. He leads the sheep. We don't want to take that illustration too far, but the picture is, is quite simply this, folks. The reason God rescued you and me and the reason he wants us fed and the reason he wants us spiritually healthy is because the quality of your spiritual life and your life as a Christ follower reflects on Jesus. And, and why does that matter? Well, for you, it just simply matters that you're a Christian. You're going to heaven when you die. But the reason it matters as a, as a light on the reputation of the Savior is because when He is shown to be great and glorious, working in and through us, it's a testimony to so many others who need to know that forgiveness can take place and a restored relationship with a living shepherd can be reality. Folks, this is an aside. The other services didn't get this. So y'all are getting something brand new. That's one reason why God cares about churches being godly and Christ-like and not argumentative and not full of fighting and fussing. It's not just because he wants our peace. I mean, he does want that. But it's because when churches get out of kilter and start fighting and fussing and going their own way and doing their own thing and yelling about this and arguing back and forth and voting this way and arguing that way and all this kind of stuff that messes up churches, what is that, what's wrong with that? Well, it's, it's, it's a mar on the reputation of the one who died for the redemption of the churches. The reason we're to reflect love and grace and forgiveness and mercy is because that's the character of the one who rescued us. And he wants us to reflect that to each other so that others who are still wandering and afar and lost and astray can know that there is a good, good Savior who wants to redeem them and rescue them. In leading and restoring, his reputation is on the line. In restoring and leading, secondly, the shepherd's greatness is on display. Our God is great. The word for leading or guiding here is the same word used in Psalm 67, 4 that describes he guides the nations. And here's what I want you to see. What does God do? He, he guides and he leads to show off his greatness and his majesty. Our God, our shepherd, is great and abundant. He led Abraham out of Ur. Eventually, the people of Israel went to Egypt. You remember, they spent years there, hundreds of years as slaves. And then what did God do? He showed up in great power and glory through Moses to rescue his people out of Egypt. He showed up in great power and glory to bring Joshua and the people of Israel into the promised land. He showed up in great power and great glory to give the people of Israel a king like David who would lead them. And all of that displayed the greatness of God. And then in judgment, because the people of Israel were idolatrous and sinful and wicked, God did what? He brought Assyria on the northern kingdoms and he brought Babylon on the southern kingdoms and he judged his people. But then out of his great compassion and mercy and his greatness, what did he do? He brought them back from exile and gave them their land back. And then what did he do in his greatness? He brought Jesus 
to be born of a, a virgin, to live a perfect life on earth, to die on a cruel Roman cross, and to be resurrected so that all who would trust in him could have forgiveness and redemption in life. Folks, here's the reality. In restoring and leading, the shepherd's greatness is on display. Think about your own life. What did God bring you from? It didn't take a small God with a little bit of power to save you. It took a great God with a whole lot of power to rescue you from your pattern of sinfulness. And so when he leads us and when he restores us, his greatness is on display. Thirdly, in restoring and leading, the shepherd's name can be known. I love this, for his name's sake. When we refer to God, we oftentimes refer to him using titles. He's Lord. He's Messiah. That means he's the anointed one. Old Testament uses phrases like the Lord of hosts, which is the Lord of armies. He's the provider. All sort of names and references in the Old Testament or titles in the Old Testament and New Testament that reflect the very aspect of who God is. And it's important that we relate to him that way, that we think about him that way. But when we think about a title, we think about an office. And oftentimes, an office is, is a person that's kind of far removed. I may know the person that the person is president, but I don't know the president. I may know the person that it, it chairs a particular board, but I don't know that person. I know that they have a role and a responsibility. I want to tell you something about God. God doesn't just invite us to know him that he is Lord, that he is in control, that he is sovereign, that he is savior, that he is shepherd. He invites us to know him. He gives us the opportunity to know his name, to call on him. Now some of you are not at all amazed that God knows everything about you. You, you understand God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows your struggles. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your strengths. He knows your glories. He knows all your difficulties. He knows, knows it all. And that doesn't bother you. It doesn't even amaze you anymore. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. God knows everything about you. Sometimes that's a little convicting. But God wants you to know him. That's what's amazing. He invites us to have a conversational, everyday, one-on-one relationship with him. Folks, I've been in ministry for more than 20 years. I've been a pastor here at Wilkesboro Baptist Church for a little over eight years. And I've watched Christians over the years. And one of the saddest experiences for me as a pastor is to watch Christians who do have a relationship with God. They became a follower of Jesus at some point in their past. But they leave behind the opportunity to have a one-on-one, everyday relationship with a living Savior. They don't read His Word every day. They don't spend time in prayer every day. They, they don't talk and walk with Jesus every day. And, and I, don't, I don't tell you that because I think somehow that, that's a judgmental thing. I'm telling you, you're missing out on knowing the God who made everything. Some folks, the reason for their frustrations, the reason for their worries, the reason for their fears is they don't open up God's word and hear God speak to them. They don't pause in their day and pray and seek him. They don't don't experience the peace that God promises if we will simply follow him as our shepherd and he invites us to know him by name and talk with him. So I'm, I'm begging you folks. He invites you to know him. And if you're here today and you do not know him, you are missing out on knowing 
the most glorious, wonderful person that has ever been and ever will be, and he invites you into a relationship with himself. Fourthly, in restoring and leading, the shepherd's goodness and mercy is revealed. This is a beautiful picture. We'll study it in detail in verse 6. So we're not going to go into a ton of detail here other than to say that uh, the sheep bring value to the shepherd. Okay? He's good to his sheep. We're not typically good to, to things that are outside of us, that aren't ours. Nobody, one, one uh, pastor friend of mine put it this way, nobody washes rental cars. Maybe you do. If you wash a rental car, you're weird. But if you wash your own car, that's your own car, right? Um, what do I mean by that? Well, we're good to those that we know and that we love and that are a part of our family. The shepherd is good and merciful to those that are his. He cares about those that are his, that belong to him. Let me illustrate it this way. Um, over the years, I, I've been out in public, and, and, and I've been around those folks that, that have little ones that are just wailing up a storm. So have you. Uh, I will tell you this. I stopped judging those folks and their babies when I had my own. Y'all know how that goes. If you've had kids, if you're, you're your parent, grandparent, you don't judge those parents anymore when their kids start wailing or acting up or, or laying down in the middle of Walmart and pitching a fit because they didn't get what they want. You don't judge them anymore. You pray for them. You're like, I've been there. I've, been, I've done that. I'm sorry for you. I, I pray for you. But, but here's, here's, here's the, the difference, right? When it's my own children, I want to affect their behavior. I want to meet their need. I want, I want to solve their issue. When it's somebody else's child, I can sympathize. But there's a disconnect. I, I, don't, I don't have to worry about... I'll be honest with you. I'll confess. I've had some moments of thought thinking this. I'm glad I don't have to discipline that child when, I, when they get home. I'm glad I don't have to deal with that one. Right? I've got my own, my own issues. But there are times there's a disconnect. Right? But here, here's the beauty of... What God does as our shepherd, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. The picture that, that him as a shepherd, his namesake, reveals that he is good and merciful to us because we're his. Merciful meaning that we don't get what we deserve. What do we deserve as sheep? And sheep go astray, they do their own thing, they get lost. Sometimes they get in water, they get in the, the wrong pool and, you know, they get down in the water. And their, uh, their wool gets soaked and heavy and they drown. Sometimes sheep who, who get astray and, and maybe hurt themselves, they don't know how to get back. They don't have a good sense of direction. They're like me. They're directionally challenged. They, they, they need Google Maps to be able to get back to their shepherd. They need that if you can read Google Maps right. I, I struggle to read it right. But anyway, that's another story for another day. They can't get back, so what do they do? Do you know what sheep do when they get lost? They sit down where they are and they start bleating, making noises. Hoping that their shepherd will hear them and find them. But also that's a call for every wolf, every lion, every bear in the area, every predator to take the life of a defenseless sheep. That's all, that's all the sheep know to do. Righteousness, or justice rather, would be the shepherd just letting the sheep live in the consequences of its strayed decisions and die and drown and be eaten by wolves. You know what our shepherd does? 
He comes after us. He shows us mercy. He's good to us, even though we don't deserve it. I'll tell you something. When God found me, I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve forgiveness. I didn't deserve his goodness. But when he leads for his name's sake, he shows his mercy. He shows his goodness. He shows his compassion. So Christian, here's the specific application for you today. Praise the one who's rescued you. It's good for us sometimes to look back and think where we used to be. Remember how far away we were. And then thank God that he met us there. And that he rescued us. And praise him for it. Thank him for his grace and his goodness and his compassion. Second application is this. Follow the shepherd who is leading you. Christian, our God wants you to have a one-on-one intimate relationship with him. He wants to guide your every step. He wants to walk with you, lead you in everything in your life. And he's available for that. Follow him. Open his word. Seek him in prayer. Trust him. And then some of you in the room today are in this situation. You're not where you need to be. You know you're not. Yeah, you're at church service, and I'm glad that you're here. But your soul is not right. Your heart is not right with God. You're separated from God. Maybe you've never come to Jesus for the first time. Maybe you've come to Jesus and become a Christian, but you have drifted so far away. You're here today. Here's the invitation. Return to the shepherd who is seeking you. I don't think you're here by accident. I think this is an opportunity for God to show that he is here present, ready to receive you back, ready to bring you back into his flock, ready to protect you and restore you, and lead you and guide you. Would you return to him? We'll give our invitation in just a moment. If you need to trust Jesus as your Savior, if you need to come repent and turn back to him, our God is here to accept you just as you are and bring you back into his family. Let me get very very specific for, for the rest of us as the invitation in just a moment. All of us know people that have drifted away from God. As I was thinking about this sermon and thinking about some of the sermons upcoming, I've played back into my mind dozens of conversations with you as church family members. I've sat across from parents and grandparents, and you've told me your stories about your kids. You've told me your stories about your grandkids, who they heard the truth, but they're not anywhere close to God right now. They've drifted, and they've gone away, and they've gone astray. and You're heartbroken over them. I want to remind you of something, that God loves them more than you do. That our, our shepherd is seeking them even more than you're seeking them. And so when we give the invitation in a moment, I know some of you are in that category. I'm going to invite you to come to this altar and just pray for them. Uh, our prayers for God to rescue them are partnering with God's already promised work to go after those sheep. And so it's our part to participate in that. So when we give the invitation in a moment, if that's you, if that's your situation... Like we did in our other services, you come pray for those souls, those children, those grandchildren, those neighbors, those friends that you know need the rescue of God. One hymn writer put it this way, Go and find the wanderer straying from the Father. Go and search the paths where the weak and erring stray. Bring him back to Jesus, to the dear Redeemer who will take his sins, all his sins away. Go and bring the wanderer to the dear Redeemer. 
Tell them of the Lamb of God who taketh sin away. Yeah, we, we should go find those who are lost. And I'll talk about that in the coming weeks. But if we can't go today and talk to the ones who are lost, we can go to the one who can find them in prayer and trust that he will find them where they are. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And as I close our invitation prayer and we begin to sing, you've got those that need rescue. Will you come join me in praying for their souls? Our God, we come to you this morning and I just thank you that you found me in my misery and self-righteousness and you showed me mercy beyond my wildest imagination. Thank you for your goodness and grace and bringing me and us into your flock, into your family. We praise you for that. Well, Lord God, I pray that you help us follow you. Help us listen to your voice. Help us open your word. Help us seek you in prayer. Help us to pause the distractions in our lives through solitude and other disciplines so that we can just simply do what you do and follow you. Our Lord, and we come to you this morning, and I pray for those in the room. If their heart's not right, they've been adrift, they've gone astray. Lord, I pray that today would be a day of return and repentance. Draw their hearts to you, redeem them, and rescue them. And Lord, as I look out across this congregation and our other gatherings this morning, I know of grandchildren, I know of children that are burdens on the hearts of moms and dads and grandparents, brothers and sisters. And Lord, the tears that have been shed over the years for them are many. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would go after them even more today than ever before. I pray that you would find them where they are. I pray that you would rescue them and you would redeem them. I pray, Heavenly Father, that this morning as many are going to bring their names before you in prayer and in seeking, I ask God that you bless their faith, that you answer their prayers, and that you draw their loved ones back to you. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.